other on our hearts. Think about this. The Apostle Paul and all the other apostles, they, they started churches. And, and in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul tells us how we're writing a story with each other and uh, we're, we're etching each other in, in our hearts. In other words, you're having a great effect on me and uh, we're having a great effect on one another. And when we get older, we're going to look back and the memories and the sweetness that we all have together, it will be etched in our hearts. Um, that, that's why we, we think so much of pictures and memories and uh, photographs and little letters that we get, memorabilia. There's a reason why we're so in, in, entrenched in saving all that. Because it's etched, it's, it's engraven, it's written in our hearts. The, I, I, I hardly ever see some of my family anymore, but, but what, what they did to me in being part of my family, it's, it's still etched in me. It's, it, it's engraved in my heart. It's, 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 it's uh, etched, if you will, it's stamped. And God wants, wants us to realize that there is a table that God's writing, and that's the fleshly table of your heart. God's putting a story down inside your heart, and it's engraved in some things you'll never forget what God's doing for you. You, you should never forget the time, wherever you were or whatever you were doing, when, when the realization came to you that Jesus was, was wanting to be your Savior. And... That, that happens here. All of a sudden, there's something that happens and it changes you. Like Brother Carlson was saying this morning in Sunday school, you're never the same. You can't be the same because you're new. You're the new man. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul makes reference to the fleshly tables of the heart. In verse 1, it says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as some other uh, others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You notice if you go and you have uh, some documentation, I, I went and I, I, took the, uh, I took the car that I have now. I went to get it licensed. You know, now now I, I had to take the title in and the title was signed over. And I had to show that to the DMV, and then they had to document that. That, that, that letter I had, uh, that epistle I had, it was engraved with Hope's uh, uh, signature. And then now, now I have my signature on it. And God's doing that to us. He's writing more important things down on our hearts. Look at look verse 2. Ye are our epistle. Paul said to the Corinthians, you or our letter, or our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So whenever Paul said, how things, uh, people say, how things going in Corinth? So, oh, we got a church started there. And he told the Corinthians, you are the epistle written in our hearts. Paul went to heaven, and if you look at the last chapter of Romans, which one day we'll get to, but 
there was uh, 30 some people. He said, say hi to Trifema, Trifosa, Eubulus and Estabulus and Aristocritus and all these Greek names and all these Roman names and uh, Apollos and, and Aquila and Priscilla and all those, those you know, we, we, we write down in our hearts, our friends, you're, you're writing a story in my heart. And I thank God for every Christian brother and sister. You're, you're having a great effect on me. So if you're wondering if you're, if you're doing a great job, you are doing a great job. You're, you're blessing my soul. Hopefully we're blessing each other's soul. Some of the messages that I heard when I was a brand new Christian, I have not forgotten. I have not forgotten that I could preach them to you. The reason I don't is because they're not my messages. <laughs> you know, you can't, go, you can't go quoting somebody else's message. You can, you, can, you can paraphrase, but you can't quote them, you know. But I can, I can sit and listen how the people had a, a great effect on my heart and made me a better Christian. And these people in Corinth were written in Paul's heart and he had... He had a wonderful time. Look at this now. Verse says, verse 2. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. That's the Holy Spirit in your Bible. Your Bible should have a capital S right there. That's the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Remember what we learned this morning, and I almost said, oh, Brother Carlson, please stop right there. I'm going to take care of that tonight. <laughs> but, no, but uh, thank you. But let's, listen, the Jews knew what the tables of stone were, didn't they? That's where the law was written down, the Ten Commandments. There were other books that were written and engraved by God's hand. That, and, and every king was supposed to take a pen and write down the law for himself when he became king. That was the law. A king would take over, king of Israel. He had to take the law and he had to write his own copy of the law with his hand. And God said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we have this well-known subject to the Jews of the Ten Commandments written in stone with the finger of God. And Paul makes reference to this now, and he says, this isn't tables of stone. Look at verse number uh, three again. Uh, not, not with ink, uh, not written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone. That, that rang true to the Jews when they heard that. This is something deeper. This is something better. God writes down his will and his his word and he writes it in your heart how many can follow this now follow with me and try to try to finish this verse for god so loved the world that in him should not but everlasting life now where did you get that who did that to you how did you know that it's, it's engraved in your heart, isn't it? Now, the world wants to, wants to engrave things and write things on the table of our heart, but God wants to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is so special and so unique. 
uh, that man cannot duplicate it. Angels can't duplicate the Spirit of God. Uh, uh, Aaron's sons offered strange fire. They tried to duplicate it. They couldn't do it. They, they died because of it. Then the apothecary, God said, I'm going to make a mixture uh, and you're going to burn it on the altar, the incense altar, and you're going to um, anoint uh, the king's, uh, the, the high priest's going to anoint and make a special anointing oil. You can't, you can't copy this. If anybody tries to copy it, they will die. They'll be cut off. And the, the Holy Spirit cannot be copied. The Holy Spirit can't be um, duplicated. Can't, you can't clone the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what uh, wrote that on your heart, John 3, 16. It's there. It's going to be there until you die. And your salvation is going to be there until you die. And everything that God does for you, your history that's writing, God's writing something in your heart, your, your tables, not of stone, but the fleshly tables of your heart. Now that Jesus has gone into heaven bodily, um, I would say the only way you can know him now, the only way you can know Jesus Christ is through his word. That's all you have. The only way you can know God is through his word. Now, you say, well, what about the Bible? Ah, that's his word. Amen. Now, you say, is that the Holy Spirit? Is the Bible the same as the Holy Spirit? I submit to you that the Holy Spirit is the word of God. Now, reason I say this, because Jesus said that the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life and they are they which testify of me. So this, this, this wonderful thing that happened to us when we got saved and through the years of being a Christian, a baby Christian, a toddler, a junior, you know, as you grow in the Lord and you become uh, uh, sufficient and efficient in the word of God, and you begin to eat meat and you begin to be a stronger Christian that you can actually teach other Christians and you can actually teach the Bible to other people and teach life lessons to other people. By the way, there's some wise people that are not uh, uh, would, would, would not be considered senior citizens. You can learn from everybody. I've learned a lot from kids. You know why I'm so smart? I got a lot of kids. I'm just saying I might not be that smart. But anyway, listen, you can learn from everybody, but you should learn from elderly people. You should be able to. So what happens is they've, they've had the stories and the lessons of life uh, burned into their heart, etched in and, and written and stamped into their heart on the fleshly tables of stone. We're supposed to be that way. Look at um, Ephesians chapter 6 for just a minute. <clears throat> We're, uh, we're never going to forget all the wonderful things that God has done in our lives because He writes a story in our hearts and uh, we, we should have a great effect on people. By the way, you, you can affect people so they want to forget you. You can, you can be a stinker and, uh, or you can, you can affect somebody in a good way where what you say and what you do to them They'll always remember that. I remember uh, one time Johnny Pope came up to me at a meeting uh, down at Brother Smith's uh, big Bible conference. And I noticed for a while there, every time I saw him, he had something nice to say. And I think the Lord had deal dealt with him to be that way with everybody. But one time he said, he said, Brother Shaver, good to see you. He says, 
you know what? You just look like you're having fun serving God. And that stuck with me. He wrote that on my heart. Another time he said, Brother Shaver, man, I'm just so proud of you. I mean, you're, he said, you keep yourself in shape. And a meeting with preachers, you know, he said, he said, he said, you know, you, you, you haven't let your stomach get big. <laughs> oh, man, if he could see me now. But uh, he, I, the little things that he said made just such an impact on me. And uh, one other time he, he said, so I can't remember, but now I can't, can't wait to see him because he's got something nice to say to me all the time. How, how should we be like that? If you really want to etch something in somebody's heart, say something nice to them. Say something nice. Say something great uh, and mean it. <laughs> Look at Ephesians 6 and verse number 17. You know, you, you and I, we don't realize the, the effect we have on people. And it's really important that we realize it is very effective for you to be around other people. And to be a blessing. God, God said that he wants us to assemble ourselves. And in our constitution, we have the right to peaceably assemble. Now let's look at verse 17. <clears throat> and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the what? Spirit. Spirit. Capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. And look what the next phrase is. Which is... The Word of God. Your Bible is etching by the Spirit of God. Remember, not, not, with, uh, not with ink and, and tables of stone, but with the Spirit of God. He's writing things in your heart. And it says right there that the Spirit of God is the Word of God. So if you get familiar with your Bible and you cross-reference, and you spend time in it, and you get proficient in your Bible, and get to know your Bible, and get to understand it, and spend time cross-referencing, and, and learning things, and, and digging into it, and spending time. What God's going to do, is gonna, He's going to write things in your heart you'll never forget. And you're going to be a better Christian. He's going to write a story inside your heart. He's going to etch himself. Now, what's the song say? Stamp thine image in its place. Which one is that? Hark the herald angels sing. Yeah, we had the image of Adam, but now we have the image of Jesus Christ stamped in our hearts. Uh, I went to uh, <clears throat> Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon, and I got to see the tomb and the graveside, uh, the sarcophagus or the crypt or whatever, I, I forget what it's called, but the place where jo uh, George Washington is buried and some of his relatives, and they have some of the most wonderful scripture there, and they, they stamped it into the concrete headstones. They put it into the rock, and it's never going to get out. You know, I learned something from a logger once I never knew. Uh, <clears throat> when a log is cut down from the forest and put on a logging truck, uh, sometimes the guys that load the trucks, uh, just to make sure that the company that cut the tree down is selling the tree, 
uh, it owns the tree. Do you know that there's a there's something that they do? Now I don't know all about this, believe me. But I was it was explained to me. They take a hammer, a big hammer that's got the seal of the company, and they'll take the hammer at the end of the tree, the the butt end of the tree, and they'll whack the tree and put a big stamp in the end of it. But I found out that uh, you, you could cut a slice of the end of the tree off and get rid of the stamp. But there's something amazing. The grain of the wood is affected uh, several, several inches inside the wood. I don't know how long it goes. But once that hammer smacks the grain of the wood, it compacts the, the, the grain uh, for quite some ways in, into the tree. And if they look at it right, they can find out that that, that tree was stolen. I guess loggers steal trees from each other. I don't know. But uh, they, they, it's really important. And <clears throat> God stamps this and he etches it into us. And uh, the Bible says that he does that with the word of God, the spirit of God. Um, now, sin, sin can never be erased. Think about this. You have had, you have had Adam's sin stamped into you. you, you you're genetically related to Adam. Do, do we all understand that? Uh, we're, we're related to him by, by flesh, and we're related to him by blood. The most, the most biggest disease in the world is a blood disease. We got it from Adam. If you, if you die, your body will begin to deteriorate. Did you know that? Some of us have had the unpleasant uh, experience of that, of, of knowing what that's like to have a, a decayed cor corpse. Uh, and, and, and that's really a sad thing. People are found you know, days after they pass away. Now, did you realize that Jesus, his body saw no corruption? You do know that. He didn't have, he didn't inherit the sin from Adam. Even though he was related by flesh with, uh, with Mary, but he didn't have that sin uh, passed on down from, from generation to generation. He had no sin. Does that make sense to everybody? He had no sin. He had no blood disease. The life of the flesh is in the, the blood. Or the death of the flesh is in the blood. You know what's wrong with me? Um, I'm not asking you to answer that. I'm just saying, what, whatever there is wrong with me, it's probably going to show up in my blood. It's probably going to be detected somehow. That's why they do blood work, right? Jesus had no blood work problem. He had no, he had no ability to be <coughs> uh, corrupted in any way, shape, or form. And sin cannot be eradicated. It can't be erased. It can't be taken care of. It cannot be forgiven by the acts of man. I had a chief in the Navy. I tried to witness to him. And in fact, it was, it was in welding, my first welding school, and we were having a great time. His name was Chief Weeks. And I tried to witness to him on break one day, and he said, Shaver, don't you know you can't wash a dirt clod. And I thought, wow, he's got me there. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to say. He called himself a, just a, a wad of dirt, a dirt clod. And I thought, I, I was thinking, yeah, I guess you could put a, a dirt clod under the water and wash it with soap. And I mean, it's still dirt. 
You see, and he, he I'll never, he, he, he stamped that in my memory. I've never forgot that illustration. I don't know what I said to him. I'm just a blank after that. I, I, I'm sure I agreed with him, but <laughs> you can't wash a dirt clod. You can't, no matter what man does, he can't get rid of his sin. He can't, he can't even stop it. He can't, he can't get rid of it. There's nothing he can do. But Jesus can get rid of that sin. And that's, that's what he writes on our hearts. He, he writes his law in our heart. Turn to Jer, Jer, Jeremiah 17. We, we learned this this morning. It was so good. Man, I, I love Sunday school. I, I just, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it, Brother Carlson. I want you to know that. And uh, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not just preaching. I'm telling you the truth right now. So, no, no, you, you heard that. That was a joke in the, uh, the, the Southern days. I'm not not preaching right now. I'm telling you the truth. All right. But look look at this. Chapter number 17, verse 1 in Jeremiah. It says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Whilst their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills. O my mountain in the field, I will give thy substance and all thy treasures to the spoil. And thy high places for sin throughout all thy borders. And thou even thyself shall discontinue from thine thine heritage that I I gave thee. And I'll cause thee to serve thy enemies in the land which thou knowest not. For ye have kindled a fire in my anger which shall burn forever. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Boy, I tell you what, there's there's a world out there, they don't know what to do with their problems, they don't know what to do with their sin, no matter how hard they try, they keep failing, no matter what they do, money doesn't solve the problem. By the way, this stimulus package is not going to correct the problems of our country. They want to give everybody $2,000. I know what President Trump wants to do, and I agree with him. Take the money that you're throwing out to gender studies in Pakistan and give it. If you're going to spend the money, which you're going to spend it, Quit giving it to the people that don't even, that, that, that hate us and give it to the people that are working. I, I'm okay with that. But that if they gave us $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 a person, it's not going to take the trouble away from America. I don't care. You can't throw money at your problems. You, you're just never going to solve any problem. By the way, the, the, the more money you throw at a problem, the bigger the problem gets. You know what the human nature is? Um, uh, you know, the, the extremely wealthy people are only bigger and bigger and bigger of all the rest that they are. In other words, if you take somebody that, uh, uh, let's say their character is a certain way, and if you give them $5, their character's the same, right? If you give them $150 million, their character's still the same. So money doesn't change the character of our country. It just increases whatever character is there. It just keeps things going. So I'm saying, listen, our, our country, they, they don't know what to do with their sin. They, they've already kicked God out of the, out, out of the schools and out of the, out, out of the uh, higher education and all that. Listen, we're, we, we've had something happen to us that's different than the world doesn't know what to do. 
we know what has happened to us. We know that we've received Christ as our Savior. We know His name. We know what He said. And all we have to do is trust in that. God changed my life. He made me a new person. He did something to me. If you talk to my mom, she'll tell you all about it. And I I say this because it's my testimony. I have a testimony. My mom came to me and said, what's wrong with you? I started getting along with my brother. Who was I telling that to? Uh, my, my, I think it was Carlson's. The first thing that happened to me after I got saved, my brother and I started getting along. And my mom saw it. She says, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She goes, something happened to you. You're different. And I said, well, Mom, uh, recently I, I, I got on my knees and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. And she said, I thought it was something like that. I knew it was something like that. And so she just saw the change. And I, I thought, you know, I thought, this is awesome. I am changing. I have changed. It's new. Something's different. My brother said, how come you're treating me so good? <laughs> now, you know, he's four years younger than I am, but we started getting along. And for about a year and a half, we, we became best friends to this day. To this day, uh, we just pick up where we left off. By the way, young people, when you, when you get older and you go and get on your own way and you have your own life and you live your own life, you better make sure that you keep that relationship good with your spouse and, or your, uh, your siblings. Spouse, no, no, take your spouse with you. Um, but if you, you've got you've to stay close to your siblings. Why? Because then when you meet up again after a couple of years of separation, it's like, hey, yeah, and you pick up the same conversation that you had last time you saw him. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to see my brother and my sister and my mom. And, but, you know, what it is is, uh, you know, there was a change. And God wrote down in my heart. He wrote down something in your heart. He etched his image in you. He stamped on, on tables of your fleshly heart. Now, this isn't a spiritual thing that you might say is like, do, 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 do. No, this is real. It happened to your body. It actually changed the way you live. Uh, you know, the, your spirit and your body, they're intertwined. I mean, you can't, you can't really separate the two. Anybody ever have a down day where your spirit is not up and you're not happy? What happens to your body? Right? Well, you think about this. If you're, if you're really down and out and you're just dejected and you're not having a good day and you just want to go home and go to bed and you don't want to talk to anybody, you don't walk around like, hey, huh? No, you know what you do? You look like you're having a bad day. The spirit and the body, they're connected. You see, it's called rejoicing. And happiness and uh, 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 just a happy spirit. And you see, so if your spirit's doing well, your body kind of follows along with it. Now, God, when, when he made the word of God, you know what he said? Man shall not live by bread alone. What does bread do? Keeps your body alive, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. The word of God is healthy for you spiritually, but it's also healthy for you physically. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if you read the Bible, you're not going to have a headache. 
I'm not saying that it's just the medicine for everything, a cancer and all the rest. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying it's a cure-all for every disease in the world. I don't mean that. I'm just meaning it has an effect on your body. Everybody with me? It does affect your body. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The word of God goes down uh, in Hebrews 4.12. says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even divide asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and the marrow. That's physical. You get, you get alone with your Bible, it's going to help you in some kind of physical way too. I, I don't want to get all spooky on you. I'm just saying it will make, your, it will make you feel better in some ways. Uh, believe me. There's a fine line. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to tell you that you shouldn't go to the doctor. <laughs> like, man, Pastor Shaver said you don't need medicine anymore. If you get sick, all you got to do is read the Bible and you get better. Did I say that? Okay, three of you understand. <laughs> Did I say that? No, no. I'm saying, does it affect you in any way at all? Yes. Reading the Bible is, is good for you. God writes on tables, fleshly tables of the heart. Look at Exodus 31. We're going to finish up. Uh, isn't this a wonderful thing where God said, I'm going to write this in your, in your heart. I'm going to, not, 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 not on the Mount Sinai and, you know, not, not in tables of stone. By the way, <laughs> they don't know where those are. <clears throat> they don't know where the ark is anymore. Wouldn't that be great if they found it, though? You know, Jeremiah was the last one to have anything to do with the Ark of the, Co uh, Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat and all that, the materials of the temple. He's the one who was in charge of it. And then Zedekiah, he died, and Jeremiah was left in Jerusalem. I don't know what he did with it. The Bible doesn't say what he did with it. I think it's somewhere. I think God's going to reveal it somehow. I don't know, but it's exciting. Look at... Uh, uh, Exodus 31 in verse 18 for just a minute. Um, <clears throat> and he gave uh, unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now that's changed. That's changed. We don't have that anymore. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to go to Israel to find out what God said. He's got a copy of his written word in your hand for everybody. The word of God is not bound. The, the Bible says that the great were they that published it. We have the word of God. We have it to write on your heart. Now God writes his word in your heart. David said in Psalm 40 verse 8, that he wrote it within David's heart. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 33. Would you go there for just a minute? Uh, this is where I was nervous this morning in Sunday school. But I'm not nervous anymore because I'm preaching it now. Look at verse 33. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. 
bodily, physically, spiritually, and write it in their hearts. You see, isn't that a wonderful thought? That God, God can write something down in your heart and you'll never forget it. You know, the name of Jesus was etched inside my heart. It's, it's printed in there somehow, I guess. It's engraved in my heart. I can't deny that. I can't deny that Jesus Christ is my Savior. It's impossible. Because He's my Savior. Amen? Yeah, somebody can say, well, if you, if, you, if, if you want me to stop torturing you, you'd have to, well, I, you know, I, might, I might wimp out. I don't know. I, I, I hope I'm really strong. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what I would do if somebody had a gun to my child's head. And I don't know. I mean, we all hear weird stories like this. I don't know what I would do. Basically, I'm a pretty big wimp. I mean, if... if if it's, if it's cold outside, I, I want to put my heater on in my car. That's one thing I wanted to make sure that worked. And I don't like going out in the snow barefooted either. I am a baby. I don't like toothaches. I don't like headaches. I don't like a wrinkle when I'm sitting on something. If my, my shirt's all wrinkled, I, like, I don't like wrink, I don't sitting on wrinkles. You understand how much of a wimp I am? I don't know who said that. It sounded like my wife. But no, I'm not sure. No, it wasn't. Oh, it was somebody else. All right, I apologize. But listen, I hate toothaches too. Don't you hate toothaches? How many hate toothaches? Okay, you're in my club. The rest of you. But it's written in my heart. I'm saved. Jesus is my Savior. And I hope that I would never get to the point where I'd ever be tested on that. But Jesus said, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, I'm going to put my law in your inward part and write it in the table, in your heart, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the Lord Jesus Christ did that. And he's doing that in your, in your life. Now, here's how to write something in somebody's heart. I already gave you the key. <clears throat> be a blessing to somebody. Do something good to somebody. Say something kind. Say something kind. And not like a brother would to a sister. It's like, wow, nice hair. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, that's, 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 that's kind on the outside, but, you know. I know all those jokes. It's like, is your face hurting? Uh, you know, it's killing me. But you don't, you say something, say something kind. Say something, uh, be a blessing to someone. Put something down in their heart. Look now, uh, Second John, and we're going to finish right now. Second John, <clears throat> this, this Christmas, you know, um, I love, I love uh, just connecting with some friends and people that are, have moved away and stuff. And I sent a Christmas card to the, the, the man that invited me to come to church for the first time, old Clint Freeman. I sent him a Christmas card and a picture of the family. And I don't remember what I said. I, I said something kind, though. 
That means a lot. Just to be remembered. Amen? Amen. Just to be remembered. All right, let's look, please, with me in 2 John chapter number 1, which is the only chapter you'll find. Verse number 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. You know what the Apostle John was trying to say? I, I just don't want to use paper and ink right now. I want to come and meet you and talk with you. and I want to write something else on your heart. I want to do something else for you. Look at 3 John chapter number 1, verse 13. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen. He wants to write, but I'm not going to write with ink and pen. He says, uh, but uh, I, I, I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall come shortly. I, I shall shortly see thee and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our, our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. You know what? I'm glad Jesus came and wrote something on those apostles' hearts. Do you know what they, you know what he did to them? He changed their life so much that they were never the same. And you know what they did? Almost every one of them, except for John and maybe one other, they were all martyrs for Jesus. He affected them. And you know what? We need to bring people to church. We need to give the gospel to people. We need to be a, a, a kind and friendly uh, a witness to people. We need to show kindness, tenderheartedness, uh, compassion, making a difference. I don't need to every, wait until I get a chance to witness to somebody and stay there and, and confront them until they listen. Sometimes that's effective. Other times I just need to give somebody a kind word and a, and a track. I don't have time. You know what? One lady came to church one time. Uh, she was on the phone, and I knocked on her door, and she said, hi, what is it? What, uh, yes, what is it? What, do you, what, what is this? Uh, I said, I'm Pastor Shaver. She, I don't have time to talk. Well, I said, well, can I invite you? Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. She took a track, shut the door. Now, you would think that was a failure, but guess what? They came to church, and they were in our church for quite a while, and we ended up being really, really good friends. And you know what? She got saved later on. And she said that she always remembered. Listen, you can make a big difference in somebody's life if you just be kind and give them the gospel and you can write something on their heart, even in a fleeting moment. I remember one lady came and got saved in the parking lot. Her name was Beth. I told you a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago. She got saved. My wife and I led her to the Lord in the parking lot. And all I did was give her a track, give her a, a gospel, and talk to her a little bit about the Lord. She was a, a staunch Mormon, and I said, well, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I said goodbye to her. But that's the last thing I said, I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. And she was, she was just awestruck by, what in the world are you telling me that for, that you can't help me? Do I need help? I don't need help. But it, it stuck on her heart. It stuck on her heart. And the Lord got a hold of her. That's how it happens. And she came and she got saved. So let's do this. Let's be kind one toward another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, being kind and, and having something good to say. Just write your friendship down on somebody else's heart. 
That's what Jesus did to us. Let's bow our heads for prayer.